Hello and welcome back to the Youth Thought Sports Podcast. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram. Before you do anything else, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Youth Thought Sport. And go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five-star review only. If you have anything less than that, go ahead and just keep that to yourself. We have <laughs> the regular cast of goons today, Lucas, Jared, Aiden, and Bart. And we're going to jump into some news that we missed. Georgia, or Georgia won the national championship over Bama. Um, I think none of us, we didn't, I don't know if we picked it, but none of us are right. Bart was right, correct? Bart was right. Bart is the Bart was right. best picker that we have in this entire podcast. If you have a betting need, go ahead and ask Bart about it, and we'll, we'll get to <laughs> it. Bart, have you thought about that as a career? You know, book uh, yeah, I don't know what the legal implications would be of me saying anything about betting right now, so I'm just going <laughs> to keep it to myself. But hey, Bart nailed Thursday Night Football this year. He nailed the bowl games this year. Like He won the bowl games by a full mm-hmm. like five games. Who knows how, you know, Wyatt had maybe the second best winning percentage of anybody, but yeah, Bart's killing it right it's now. It's because I picked less games. I, <laughs> yeah. I did not pick every game. Um, did anyone see that Georgia got the wrong hats? After the, I, saw, I did, I did see, see, that. see some of that. Yeah, I don't know if it was everybody or if it was just a handful of players. There was no like other buzz about it other than a couple funny clips here and there of somebody <laughs> wearing the wrong hat. So I'm not sure. Yeah, the overplayed narrative of the night too was Stetson Bennett is a walk on against five star Bryce Young. These two people cannot be more different, and the walk on came out on top. I feel like I heard that narrative like <laughs> over and over and, and over and over again. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> My favorite narrative is that in the movie about Stetson Bennett, he has to be played by Timothy Chalamet. And now that I see yes. it, I can't unsee it. Yes, they look unsee. identical. They're the <laughs> same mother. Somebody missed something. They kind of yeah. talk similarly, too. Oh, man. Yeah. The thought of Timothy Chalamet playing football <laughs> just sucks. <laughs> yeah, he needs a beef up for that role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really Put him on one of those like Christian Bale diets <laughs> exactly. where he, like his weight goes like way up and down or whatever. If anyone decides to make a movie about that, just keep your expectations low as far as <laughs> for <laughs> a normal college football championship yeah, win. Just regular, getting a movie. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what his NFL career might hold. Yeah. Mm. Yes, <laughs> he's gonna be back next year, I think, too. So when he wins two straight national championships, that'll <laughs> yeah, be that'll be movie work. Yeah. On a less joyful note, Black Monday <laughs> happened in the NFL. Vic Fangio, Matt Nagy, Brian Flores, and Mike Zimmer were all fired on Monday. Um, Brian Flores is obviously the surprise name in that list. I think everybody else we expected at some point. Um, Only one of our head coaches, one of our favorite team's head coaches, was fired. Bart, how do you feel about the Mike Zimmer fire? Uh, I I understand it. I think a lot of people are calling for it. It makes sense. I'm more surprised about Rick Spielman, the GM, getting cut as well, but... uh, I guess ownership just wants to really start fresh. But yeah, Zimmer Zimmer needed to go. So I'm fine with it. Yeah. And apparently Why wasn't your head coach fired? Yeah, well I was on the following day, Joe Judge was fired. <laughs> yeah. um, not on Black Monday. Yeah. yeah. They gave him the dignity of being fired on Tuesday and not Monday. Um, it's noted it's noteworthy though that Dave Gettleman did get he didn't get fired, but he retired on Monday. Against his will, possibly. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, he's out. And then David Coley was actually fired today, I believe. Or today that, or late that franchise is just doomed. What the heck? How can you give him that roster? And then, oh, that's how, yeah. that was unfair. I, you know, I don't believe that it's fair, but I understand. 
I understand <laughs> that they want to kind of cash in on this batch of head coaching hires that I think that we have. Yeah. Um, where maybe their top guy might not be available. Bill O'Brien. Yeah, but they also <laughs> might be the least. Bring him back. Right now. So who, yeah. The coach that they land is going to be like getting his last choice. Yeah. I think if you were to name out all of the, the possible spots one of these coaches want to land, Houston would be sixth or seventh on that, or seventh or eighth on that list of possible yeah. spots to go. And apparently Brian Flores, Brian Flores is linked to that job at some point. Or it's no. to some degree, Deshaun no, Watson really better. wanted to play underneath Brian Flores in Miami, so that might be the link. And uh-huh. I do have a small feeling that they wouldn't have fired David Coley if they didn't believe that Brian Flores, to some degree, was interested. Just, a, just a thought. I think that's a bullet you have to try to dodge if you're Brian Flores. Yeah. Personally, you don't yeah, want to go to another honestly. dysfunctional franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go to like a stable franchise that'll give you the resources. Good. I agree. And yeah, yeah. Go to the Raiders. Like I don't know. It seems. I mean, the Raiders are kind of dysfunctional, but but they, it seems to be a, they're in the playoffs too. It seems to be <laughs> one of the like coveted jobs, but I feel like they're kind of a dysfunctional franchise right now. Yeah. Mm. I feel like for most of our lifetime, or at least <laughs> our like you know paying attention lifetime, they've been dysfunctional. But yeah, history I guess yeah. buys you something. Well, I'd go Brian's Bears open, and Brian Flores is available. Two yeah. plus two well, That's a good one, actually. Exactly. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. well, the tagline to our podcast is still: "I think we're smarter than the Houston Texans for our office." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Keep getting proved That's right. True. <laughs> uh, they, wait till they hire Josh McCown as their as their head coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, part of the reason why Joe Judge might have got fired is the fact that they that we ran a QB sneak on third and nine. It made news <laughs> everywhere. I think I wanted. I didn't watch the full game but i thought we ran a, a qb sneak on second and 11 and then also on third and nine. Oh so my goodness it, well, it was, hey listen yeah would a safety have been more embarrassing probably not but in their minds i guess <laughs> <laughs> we wanted so. room for the punter apparently is, is the word that i'm getting okay <laughs> if you watch the lines though the Whatever. lines in a game where it doesn't matter at all who are almost in identical position played like they had nothing to lose and I think that the Giants obviously had everything to lose getting a safety. So Joe Judge is their not Dan Campbell. Um, yeah, Brennan Saley <laughs> called a controversial timeout at the end of the Raiders game, uh, possibly changed the Raiders' mindset according to Derek Carr and what they were going to do. A tie would have sent them both into uh, the playoffs versus a win would have just sent the winner into the playoffs. Getting a lot of heat for it. I don't really get the yeah. heat though. Like they there's yeah. they still had to run a fourth down play no matter what happened. So I don't get the heat. Yeah. They just they couldn't need and yeah. let the time go out. There they was also no guarantee that they would right. I mean just, yeah. it didn't look like they were gonna yeah. yeah. Yeah, but plenty of times they get the knee or they grab it and they go backwards a couple steps and then they need to burn <laughs> yeah. some time. Yeah, that's fair. Whatever it might be. Yeah. You never you never really know. It'll it'll yeah. be one of our greatest mysteries. Um, what's not he a mystery, win, though, is yeah. that the Colts are still winless in Jacksonville, um, which is going to hurt me and hurt my credibility a lot, <laughs> considering that I was riding the Colts train all the way to the end. Oh, but, you came so yeah, close. well, and I just want to mention that the team that Carson Wentz got traded to missed the playoffs, and the team that Carson Wentz was traded from made the playoffs and got a first-round pick. <laughs> so, I think that there is a clear winner in that deal. I don't know how clear it is. I don't know who. 
Um, Jared is a winner, <laughs> though, however. He did oh. bet against Lucas and I that one, the Cowboys <laughs> would beat or win their division by uh, two games and have the top-scoring offense in the league. Uh, we owe him airfare and a Dallas Cowboys or Dak Prescott jersey, whatever, whatever he wants. I don't care. Mm. <laughs> We're not going to let anybody else speak. Big Ben also says that the Steelers don't have a shot at winning. Um, yeah. They have nothing else to lose. They're not really supposed to be there. Mike Tomlin said that he dozed off during the Raiders charging. <laughs> so maybe an interesting matchup. They kind of pull out all the stops. But we are going to move into our first segment, Cash or Trash. Get right into it. Jared, I'm going to ask you first. Dan Quinn is a better head coaching candidate than Kellen Moore. This is cold, hard cash. Wyatt, say what you want about Dan Quinn, but he has led a team to an NFC championship. He's been a part of three Super Bowls as a coordinator and head and head coach. And the Cowboys' defense, they were seventh best in the league uh, in points allowed per game. Everyone you know, thought they were smart when they put on their pants, and they said, yeah, Trayvon Diggs has given up more yards than any other DB. Who cares? I see first in the league in takeaways, first in the league in interceptions, first in turnover differential. And first in the division with 12 wins. That's all I see. Yards don't matter. Score more points than the other team. And that's what the Cowboys did. And the defense was a big part of that. I think Quinn knows what he's doing, and he already has the experience. I don't always love Callum Moore's play calling either, so I I, I think maybe he needs a little bit more time. He also was gifted kind of like a a Mercedes offense in terms of all the weapons he has. I, I would definitely say Dan Quinn's a better head coaching candidate. Lucas, what do you say? Cold hard cash as well. I thought you might take a different opinion because <laughs> the the Cowboys offense did good things for you this whole year. They did won you a whole big bet. So I thought that you would, you know, be a little more grateful to them. But yeah, like you said, seven. Wow. I think Dan. I had basically all the reasons you did. Um, he had success as a head coach in the past, barring an epic collapse. He should be a Super Bowl champion as a head coach. Made the playoffs twice in um, his tenure as head coach. I think his. Like his coordinator job has been more impressive than Kellen Morris's this year. Like you said, he was handed like the keys to a Mercedes with that offense, um, and he's done a good job with it. But Dan Quinn this year, you mentioned they were the seventh best scoring defense this year. Last year they were twenty eighth. So to take them from twenty eighth to seventh in the span of one year, I think is just proof of talent. So combine the job he's been able to do consistently as a coordinator and a head coach, and I think it's an easy choice that Dan Quinn is a better head coaching candidate than Kellen Moore. <laughs> Maybe. Next question, Bart, I'm going to start with you. The Panthers should listen to phone calls about Christian McCaffrey. Absolute cash. Absolute cash. The value of running backs will only continue to plummet uh, in the forthcoming years, I think. Uh, Literally, like, look at how many playoff teams right now have what you would call a quote-unquote elite running back. I think I, I counted that on one hand how many. I think it was like four or five, in my opinion. Running backs are just not that valuable. It would have made sense for them to sell high, like as in like in 2019. Right now, he's still got some value, so they should try to sell as soon as he can. But like, think about it. Even in 2019, he played all 16 games, 19 touchdowns, 2,400 scrimmage yards. They still went 5-11. and 11. They should have traded him then. Running backs are not that valuable. They shouldn't have drafted him as high as they did. They shouldn't have kept him as long as they did. He's very brittle. Uh, and he's under contract for three more years with like at least thirteen million each year. So it's I don't it's just not a, it's not a good, a good value. You can talk all you want about how good he is when he is on the field, but he's just not helping them that, that much. So I say cash. They should trade him. What do you think, Wyatt? I wrote trash actually, and I think mm. you made a lot of really good points, and I've, I kind of have almost the opposite of what your points are. If you were to trade McCaffrey away, you're basically trading him away for pennies on the dollar, and you're paying him thirteen million dollars. 
So I don't know if they should really be in a rush to get rid of him while he's under contract. They just hired or they just fired their offensive coordinator. They're likely going to have a new quarterback in that system next year, and they have you know some draft picks or whatever to to do with. Unless a first round draft pick falls in their lap, I wouldn't. I would put all their eggs in the basket of get a veteran quarterback, get a nice offensive coordinator, and see what you can do with all the pieces you have. Because with the defense that they put together, they might as well go and try to win the division. I don't know if they're that far off where they need to start selling all of their pieces rather than buying a Watson, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, you know, Russell Wilson or Jimmy Garoppolo, guys who are potential movers this offseason. But yeah. That's I guess I, where I'm coming from is like regardless of which team he's on, they should be trading him. But I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And this isn't in it, but if if I were the Giants shop, I would shop Saquon Barkley likely more than I would trade Christian McCaffrey. And I think that they're kind of around the same level, highly talented, injured guys. But the Giants are in a position where they're not able to win. I think the Panthers are in a position where they're, you know, a couple pieces away from doing it. Big pieces, but pieces nonetheless. (laughs) Lucas, we're going to move on to you. Records broken in the 18th week. Should be an or should have an asterisk next to him. As much cash as anything could possibly be. I think I talked about this a lot in when we all saw each other last weekend. But I think these records should absolutely have an asterisk next to them. Well, this year, okay. (laughs) uh, But anyway, or they should be considered in separate categories from current records. Either either we have like seventeen game records and that's a category, and then sixteen game records and that's a category, and fourteen game records and that's a category from when the NFL used to play fourteen games, etc. But this isn't to like diminish anyone's accomplishments, but they're doing it with one more game and one more opportunity to get those numbers up makes it fundamentally a different record. Um, I think probably the best way to measure stats is always per game because that takes all this out of it. The only counters to that are maybe that one, you have one more opportunity to drop those numbers, but I think, you know, if you're on your A game, you should keep up that rate. Um, And two, that per game numbers are probably less sexy than like, full season numbers like the 2000 yards rushing is like a number but like that becomes meaningless if we go to like 25 games at some point you know (laughs) i mean obviously that's taking it to an extreme but that being said i think per game is always a better way to measure stats and i think adding one more game just makes all the old records like they'll be all broken relatively soon not because players are getting better but just because they had one more opportunity to get higher numbers aiden what do you think yeah, I, I could not agree more about how much of a cash this is. It's obvious. Like, they're just not the same record. Um, and, yeah, the, the problem with per game is is the sexiness. That is the issue. It definitely is the best way. It's just not as... It's much less fun to say, like, LaDainian Tomlinson's, you know, record of 1.75 rushing TDs per game versus, you know, 28 rushing touchdowns. You know, you could potentially, you know, normalize... The records by multiplying it by you know 17 over 16 or whatever um mm-hmm. so th- there's not really a good approach but there's got to be some approach we either have to do per game or adjust old records to compensate for the new games um yeah one of the an aside of a, a fun record that i came across was i was reading an article last week about how trevon Diggs could potentially break the interceptions record if he had like mm-hmm. i think three interceptions in a game and the guy who set that record did it in a 12-game schedule. He had 14 interceptions in 12 games in wow. 1952. Dick Night Train Lane. In terms of you know unbreakable records, that's that's up there. It's that's a tough it one is. to get. So we'll see. 
I'm gonna be honest. I I just googled that name right now, and it does. It's like cut off after I typed in his first name because I think I thought I was googling something before. But you know, it is what it is. We got there eventually. I found him on the internet. Yeah. 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 Don't don't search Dick Lane at work. But anyway. Um, but yeah i know i totally agree about like it's asterisk is very much necessary in this case i do believe though that justin jefferson broke his in a 16 game uh or within 16 games maybe some of them are worth something yeah because like tj watt for example i I think like he tied the single season sack record and he played just 15 Mm. games this year so Mm. um you know there are definitely ones that still kind of stand the test of time yeah yeah, tying a record is awesome. Um, <laughs> some deja vu, Bart. We're here again. Baker Mayfield should request a trade. Cash or trash? Absolute trash. Uh, first of all, when you request a trade, you need to have leverage, and he doesn't have any because <laughs> he sucked. Second of all, I think the Browns are actually a fairly good situation for him. So, yeah, just look at his numbers. He was, like, bottom five or maybe bottom ten, if you're being nice, in a lot of, like, major stat categories. He did not have a good season. He drove Odell out, which I think is probably a a blemish on him. Uh, And then, like, yeah, the Browns are solid. Nick Chubb and Hunt, solid running backs. Jarvis Landry and Peoples-Jones, solid wide receivers. Their offensive line is quite solid, especially in pass protection, I think. And their defense is also really, like, I mean, they're average, I guess, but they're not bad. They're also, for lack of a better word, solid. So I think if he requested a trade, he would actually end up regretting it most likely. And he might not even start if he goes somewhere else, to be honest. Whereas now we've heard the Browns seem to be committing to him, at least verbally. So, yeah, I'm going to trash this. What do you think, Wyatt? Uh, I'm also going to trash. It's trash day. I think Mayfield really needs redemption in his window of redemption as it stands right now is two years. He can try to salvage what he has in Cleveland right now. And if he fails, he gets one more year in a new location and he gets to try to prove it as an NFL starting quarterback there. If he were to force a trade, he then shortens that window. He only gets the one year in the new location type deal. And he has to try to prove to everybody in one year in a new system on a new team with different weapons or whatever, however other many circumstances you can lay out. With all those factors against him, he'd have to prove that he's a starting quarterback. Rather than rather than just being like, I had a hurt shoulder and it just didn't work out this year. And he can come back next year and he can try to do better. If he tries to force out, then it kind of completely wipes like the Browns were right and we'll see what happens next. I think that he needs to stay. And like you said, like what could be better for him than, you know, awesome in all categories except for maybe wide receiver, which is now his fault. So who knows? <clears throat> All right, moving on. The Colts should have traded for Gardner Minshew over K- uh, Carson Wentz. Aiden? I'm going to trash it. Maybe that's controversial. I, I think that there's been a bit of an overreaction to the a pretty disastrous final game. I get that it was, you know, a cost and playoff spot. It was against the worst team in the NFL. Other teams have lost to the Jags, though. And, like, for example, Paul Feinbaum, our favorite on the podcast, uh, <laughs> ranks, like, QBs every week, just like a season wide ranking of the QBs and he dropped Carson Wentz this week from number 13 to number 25 on the season just based off last week which like is dramatic um I think that the Colts got what they asked for in Carson you know 27 TDs seven interceptions he was you know he controlled the game he didn't make huge mistakes he had no games with more interceptions than touchdowns uh he was tied for 10th in QBR 
with Joe Burrow, which, you know, kind of points to how jank of a stack QBR is. Um, but <laughs> like, you know, in the Colts offense, Jonathan Taylor should be the focal point. They're not going to be pass first. They shouldn't be pass first. They just need to be Carson, Carson be solid. Um, and especially after last year, I don't see how they could have expected that much more than what they got from Carson. Um, and we can, you know, play what if all day on all of this. Um, but I don't think Carson is necessarily the reason they didn't make the playoffs. And I think if they didn't start out one and four, so, um, they'd be in a much better position, obviously. And so next year, I think I'm fairly optimistic about how the Colts will turn out. Um, that's not to say that Gardner Minshew isn't, doesn't deserve another shot. Um, but I, based on what I saw, I don't think Carson was the wrong move for them. I'm actually going to cash that they should have traded for Minshew and not Wentz. Uh, it's yeah. it's obvious why you would trade for Wentz. We've seen the up the upside there, but and this isn't all necessarily because I think Minshew is necessarily a better QB than Wentz. But a game manager would have made the playoffs with this team. I think this is the like type of offense that you were saying, Aiden, where you can just hand the ball off to Jen- Jonathan Taylor. I mean, this is that's what the Titans are. You only need to be Ryan Tannehill, and you can be a number one seed in the AFC. Or look at the team that Wentz left be Jalen Hurts, and you still make the playoffs. I'm not going to compare like Minshew's athleticism to Jalen Hurts' athleticism, but we even saw Nick Foles lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl without him. And let's be honest, I remember the first Monday Night Football game where Foles started, and they looked absolutely terrible on offense. All of a sudden, in that Super Bowl, he kind of came out of nowhere, just, just saying. But anyway, at this point, we know what Wentz is. He's only had one season where he led a team to double-digit wins, and that was 2017 when he got injured. And then, then you, you got to look at the cap hit, too, and leaving other options open. When there's so much turmoil with the Packers, with Russ and the Seahawks, maybe you can make a run at them this ne- in this offseason. Now you can't. Because Min, you know, like, Minshew is probably not the long-term option, but you could have maybe positioned yourself where you don't have that $28 million cap hit that Carson Wentz has. Even if they cut him before the league starts, it's still $15 million cap hit. So yeah. I think just in terms of being able to keep their options open, and I know like fans don't really GMs don't think like this either, but it's kind of a holdover year in a way. Like they transitioned from Philip Rivers to Carson Wentz, who probably isn't a Super Bowl winning quarterback at this point. And then you go, then you have to try to find the next guy after that. So whether it's the draft or yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm cashing that they should have gotten Gardner. Yeah, that's a fair point about the cap hit. They're going to try to go for the home run ball this year. I mean, think about it. If, if you put, I mean, that's what, if you put Derek Carr on that team, what do you think, what do you think they look like? 12 win team, maybe 11 win team. I don't think they're that much better. Personally. I think they are. I think they're that much better. There's no quarterback who I think like crumbles more in big moments than Carson Wentz too. Yeah. Like, I think that that's like, like, to his credit, I think he was decent this year, but, like, you, you pay what you get for it. I think, like, you know, despite how good he was this season, when it came down to it, when they needed to win a game against the worst team in the league, he, like, had his worst game of the season. And, like, that's been a consistent theme throughout his entire career. And the Colts, even, the Colts GM said he wouldn't commit to Wentz as the starting quarterback next year, too, which is crazy. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Aiden, I referred back to the Paul Feinbaum uh, list of top-ranking quarterbacks, yeah. or Mike Tomlin's <laughs> list of top-ranking quarterbacks, and I was like, man, maybe uh, the Giants, like Daniel Jones is on there, not even on the list at all. 
I was like, oh, maybe we we'll beat him what? up. Not even on the list. So it's embarrassing. I don't even know if Feinbaum watches NFL. His existence, just like there's not a single Giants quarterback on there, and Lamar Jackson barely even played this season. He's ranked higher. So whatever. However, Joe Burrow is ranked five on that list, and I think there bars the question: Is Joe Burrow an actually a top five quarterback? They've put together a quiet 10-win season. They have been in primetime only once this season against the Jaguars on Thursday Night Football. And uh, even though Aaron Rodgers had a phenomenal season statistic-wise, there's a good argument to be made that Joe Burrow is the most valuable player in the NFL. Aiden, start with you. Is Joe Burrow a top-five quarterback right now? And should he be in the MVP talks? Yeah, I know this isn't cash or trash anymore, but I'm actually going to cash it. Um, my initial reaction was no, and that it was a bit of, you know, too soon kind of thing. Um, but I think that was wrong. I think the top three QBs in the NFL are fairly clear. I think we've got, in some order, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Mahomes. Um, and after that, it gets a bit confusing. Uh, you know, you've got Joe Burrow, Kyler, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Matt Stafford, Dak. Um, and Joe Burrow's the least tenured of those guys, uh, or at least we've seen him the least um, but honestly, like his basic stats look good this year, but it, like the more I looked, the better he looked, to be honest. I mean, the Bengals have the ninth worst O-line according to PFF, uh, and their weakness is pass blocking. They've, you know, broken down all year. Um, only one of the five, um, offensive linemen for the Bengals has a grade above 65, like a, you know, fairly good grade on PFF. Um, he's been sacked more than any other QB this year. Um, and that's certainly due, or seems to be due to the fact that his O-line's crappy. He's getting the ball out the 10th quickest in football. Um, beyond mm-hmm. that, he's got the highest pass yards per attempt in football, and he has the lowest bad throw percentage. And he's been, we've seen him be clutch all year. Um, he's, you know, maybe the anti-Carson Wentz, if you will, in that he's only better in the fourth quarter in close games. So I think the mm-hmm. Bengals, if they beef up their O-line, um, could be pretty scary, especially, you know, with... Um, and Burrow could be pretty scary. He definitely turns the ball over a bit too much. 14 interceptions is, is kind of a lot, though not <clears throat> per se abnormal. Um, so I would have him in my top five, but I'd have, I think, Herbert at four um, after, I don't know, after watching that Raiders-Chargers game. Justin Herbert's pretty incredible. Like, I mean, he's, he's obviously, we'd seen him before be good, um, but with, you know, not a great receiving core, his talent is just pretty incredible. So I'd have him at four. Um, with that said, I don't think he really belongs in the MVP discussion at the moment. Um, I think it's probably Aaron Rodgers's to lose. And I'm not sure if there's anyone else who super deserves a mention. You know, Tom Brady obviously has been great. Burrow's been good. Um, but I don't think I would, you know, vote for either of them over Rodgers at this point or even consider it. What if I told you Joe Burrow leads the league in completion percentage, pass yards per attempt, is second in passer rating, and is only 15, 15th in the league in passes attempted. So he did all of that doing like almost 200 less than Brady. Hmm. That's why he's first in yards per attempt. He's definitely very <laughs> efficient in his, in his Yeah, passing. it's weird. I just it's think weird because he's, he's still... efficient in that like yeah. the completion percentage and yards per play is high. Yeah. He does have a lot of picks. Yeah. It's, it's like a weird dichotomy mm-hmm. there. But Yeah, and it's... I think like given Aaron Rodgers like has been – he has not made the mistakes that Burrow has made. He's obviously way more experienced. And the Packers, like, you have to thank Aaron Rodgers for 
the Packers season, I think, more so than, like, obviously the Bengals would not be mm-hmm. great without Joe Burrow. Um, but we're talking about 13 and three versus, or 13 and four versus, is it 11 and six that the Bengals are? I think 10. 10 and seven. 10 and seven. Yeah, 10 and yeah, seven. 10 and um, seven. But, we, but look at, but the Bengals literally were the worst team in the league before they got Joe Burrow. So what does that That's true, say? but what would, what would the Packers mm-hmm. look Huge. like without Aaron Rodgers at this point? They have a, a good yeah. defense, but I'm not convinced they would be that great. Well, they've got good offensive weapons too. They got Devontae Adams. Yeah, like, Alan Lazard. Like, I feel like they, the Packers would be good with, like, a replacement level quarterback in there. We saw Jordan Love play for them. It didn't he lose? Yeah, but it's the Chiefs. Yeah, it's the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. In the Lions. But their offense is terrible. <laughs> okay, that's true. And the Chiefs, off, like, defense is, you know, got better towards the second half of the season, but they're not, like, yeah. you know. You could argue the Bengals have just as many offensive weapons as other relevant, like, outside of quarterback. Yeah. Like, three really good yeah. receivers yeah. and a really good running back. Yeah. I was going to say one thing, though. You talked, Jared, about the, the attempt discrepancy between Burrow and Brady. And it's interesting because, like, PFF wrote an article about who their MVP is the other day. And they say it's Brady mainly because his numbers are really similar to Rodgers and he has the volume, which, like, they say basically is, like, it's proof that he's more valuable because he's been asked to do so much for the Bucks. whereas Rodgers is basically going to, like, pick his throws. His depth of target, I think, is a lot shorter. So, like, anyway, that's just one thing. Speaking that's of that, though... Yeah. I wanted to mention about Burrow, one other crazy thing, is he's he's first in CPOE, completion percentage over expected, which basically means he's just a beast at making like darts. Yeah. He is first in accuracy, but he's also yeah. first in aggression percentage. So he's like he completes a lot of passes, but his passes are also under really tight windows, which I think is pretty remarkable. He's first in both of those. So if you're looking at it from a pure like you mentioned Herbert's like Rod Talon Aiden, Burrow also seems like he's just like mm-hmm. He's got the, he's got that it factor, and he knows <laughs> how to make those really tight throws, which I think speaks to just like being a good quarterback more than some of the other like raw volume stats that we talk about sometimes. I do, and no, I, ahead, I think it's dangerous to have quarterbacks or the MVP just to be a volume stat in the case of Bra- uh, Tom Brady over Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers is by far the most efficient and the most spectacular quarterback that we have in the NFL right now. If it's just about volume, then a lot of these quarterbacks, I think, would have a higher case than than Aaron Rodgers would, even though he only has like 3,400 yards. He's a 37 touchdowns to four interception ratio. It's it's pretty much unheard of. He's by far more efficient than anybody else in the league. And I think that what makes guys like Steph Curry so great is the fact that he doesn't exactly shoot at the highest clip compared to somebody like Trey Young or Dame Lillard, but he does it better than anybody else does. He He is by far the most efficient three-point shooter in the league. I think that that's what Aaron Rodgers has going for him. But I was watching a video on Joe Burrow, and as I was doing some research for this segment, I was looking, and it just pretty much, I think, the overall consensus that I got is one not only is, like Joe Burrow is a top-five quarterback right now, and it's funny that we mention Aaron Rodgers at the same time because I think Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have the perfect combination of minds right now where they totally understand what each other are. They understand what the other person wants to do, and they understand how to kind of get those together, uh, to kind of like use those things together to create a good outcome. And I think that Joe Burrow understands Zach Taylor's offense really well. And all the videos I watch is that he reads defenses better than almost any other quarterback in the league. He can read a safety right off of, right before the snap goes, understands what his reads are, and he executes the throw perfectly. And let alone he executes the really dangerous throws at a high level because one, he's incredibly confident, and two, his accuracy are the two best things that he has going for him. So it's just funny because I think that that's he's just 
he has found himself like Jared. He they were the worst QB in the league, but he mm-hmm. has found himself. I think in the most perfect pos- position he could possibly be in with a coach that he understands him, uh, players around him, and then just a level of confidence in himself. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I would say I would say um, I'm definitely he's definitely the player I'm most excited to watch in the playoffs. He's got like um, Aid uh, Bart was saying he's got the it factor. He has like great swagger. He plays with kind of like an MJ like edge. Like he even has a shrug play already in his highlight reel. Uh, <laughs> and he and he goes by it by it in like a more quiet, co- quietly confident way than like a Tom Brady does, where he's like yelling at his teammates on the side on the sideline and stuff. Like I love his his uh, comment when the Ravens defensive coordinator I think was like we don't need to give Joe Burrow a gold jacket yet. And he just was like, I didn't think it was a necessary comment. Like, it's just like, that's a great response. <laughs> I like this quote, too, that was like, F it, Jamar's down there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, talking about his decisions to throw sometimes. I thought it was funny. Yeah, he has a he has a lot of fun with the game, and I think that that's important. I mean, uh-huh. And I mean, it, go back, if you go back to the end of August, and you told me the Bengals are going to be AFC North champs, Nobody would believe you. I don't think anybody would believe you. I would have. But if you if you check if you, the yeah, uh, you check the Instagram, the some Instagram. people would believe. Who said that? Lucas. Did. I said that. It, well, not a, yeah. Do we not remember this? I don't. We've gone, we've gone over it plenty of times. I think you're making that up. <laughs> yeah. Wait, how would you? How could you have said that the they were AFC North champs, but that the Browns would win the Super Bowl? Okay, it was. Hold on, I've, I've pulled up the <laughs> So on October seventeenth, twenty twenty one, the quote goes up on the Instagram. So it was recorded just a little uh-huh. bit before that. The Bengals have a legit shot at winning the division. Okay, that was the middle of the season, October. though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a, a month into the yeah, season. I mean, oh, Jared, you picked Joe Burrow to be your dark horse MVP before the yes, season. So I was going to say that. That's something. Yeah, that is something. Okay. Where else? There's another Bengals quote in here somewhere. There's, there's actually a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Something to, oh, like to talk about the Bengals. What Joe Burrow is doing in Cincinnati is incredible. I think the Bengals <laughs> are a serious Super Bowl contender, said by Lucas, on October 27th. Listen, and then you all doubted when they had a little midseason slump, but now they're back. They won their division. Things are going well. Jared yeah. did Jared did say the first part of the quote. What Joe Burrow okay. is doing in Cincinnati well, is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> if the Bengals win the next five Super Bowls, Jared will oh. you absolve me of my obligations to the Cowboys dead. Yes, <laughs> the next five. I, I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I definitely would. Trip, Jared, for, yeah, we'll see how many. Years. Well, when they get bounced in the second when round they this, win year, this year, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Literally, I think if if Bengals make the Super Bowl this year, that's like enough of a edge, like unlikely. Case no, it's no, it's not. No, it's not. Double or nothing, Lucas. Put 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 it down. <laughs> you have to buy happen. a ticket to Cincinnati. But probably not. You have, to, you have to buy me a house. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> no, Jerry, let's go to a Bengals game. You know? That'll be way cheaper tickets wise. Yeah. Um, some of the other NFL MVP awards, the other awards that go throughout the league. Uh, does anyone believe anyone should, or who should win the other awards? Just go ahead and start listing them off. Open floor. So, Aiden. Aiden. The year. Oh. Who? Oh. Nick Sirianni, the Eagles head coach? No, that's no. Should be a top, he did a good job, but he's not a coach. They haven't team. beaten a team that's over 500. Yeah, but come on. Sorry, they, they, no, the Raiders. That's, that's not true. Yeah. And the, so are the Saints. So, that's something. Okay. If not him, then Mike Vrabel. That's probably the correct answer. Yeah, it's Vrabel. But, 
Aiden convinced me on this over the weekend. With Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback and losing your best player and the best running back in the league, still the number one seed in the AFC. I think it's him. Even though he only has like the third best odds, which is weird, but you know what's crazy? Is it's Bill Belichick, actually, because considering that they missed the playoffs last season, came in with a whole new tool on a rookie quarterback and have one of the best defenses in the league, is just kind of proof to the disrespect that was given to or you know, uh the disrespect that was given to Bill Belichick, it's proof that they were all wrong and that he should mm-hmm. kind of get a little bit more he has a little bit of a What's it? Storyline factor to him, where Brady goes and wins yeah, the Super Bowl, a and then now he can come back in and and be the coach of the year and kind of right those wrongs that people thought about him. Well, it's, it's funny because like they had a down year, quote unquote, but weren't they seven and nine? Last I, know, year? I, I, yeah. I, I, I have been saying that is that everybody acts like they won two games, like they won seven games last year. I know, I know. Everything is relative. Yeah. 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 Okay. Speaking of other awards, too, just to move us on quickly, Defensive Rookie of the Year. So Patrick Sertain is the second betting favorite, and he's plus 900. Does anybody want to guess who the first betting favorite is and what his odds are? Yeah, it's Michael Micah Parsons, Parsons, for sure. I know it's Michael Parsons, and he's, by a lot. he's minus 10,000. Oh, my God. Michael well, no. Parsons. You, you know why? He's, he's a literal candidate that I'm seeing mentioned a lot for Defensive Player of the Year, like the non-rookie. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's how you know he's going to be blowing out second place in the rookie yeah. race. Yeah. Oh, I just don't think I've ever seen odds like that before. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of Defensive Player of the Year, I think this one's fascinating. A lot of people are clamoring for TJ Watt. We mentioned him because he's tied for the sacks record. But is it ever not Aaron Donald? It's still Aaron Donald. He's still so good. He's my vote for that He's one. So good. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie, and this is gonna make me sound super casual as a fan. I am not impressed with anything that the Steelers have done this year, especially <laughs> with tying the. Like, I get he played less games, so I'm gonna give him that. But I don't know. I would rather have seen him just break it. Like they just kind of pencil in another half sack in there and give him 23. No, 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 no. I just feel like tying is kind of like, oh, whatever. Like, well, he got no one with an outrageous sack where he tapped the quarterback down, but there were like four Steelers around him. It was like home <laughs> home field yeah. stat, stat keeping, they call it. <laughs> he shouldn't have gotten one. He shouldn't have even tied it, really. But yeah. as oh. you said, also, he might, he missed a game. Yeah. So. Wyatt, though, to echo your sentiment, I am so angry about the Steelers having made the playoffs. Yeah. I, like, I, there's such rage <laughs> inside me from it. Like, I feel like I had been mm-hmm. down on the Steelers preseason, and their point differential this year is minus 55. They've been outscored by 55 oh. points, and they're 9, 7, and 1, and that, oh, it kills me. It's My just, Tomlin streak continues. The, but the thing yeah, that's annoying crazy. about the streak is the fact that they literally went 500 because they tied the Lions. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like what, are, like, what are the chances that something like that happens where they tie one of the, the number two overall pick in the league, they tied mm-hmm. them. And now they yeah. all of a sudden they just happen to not fall. They they went underneath five hundred. Let's be honest here. This was like not a necessarily a good season for them. I think we maybe we've mentioned this before on the show, but we never talk about. I feel like collectively as like a society, like how good of a <laughs> maybe that's not the, the right wording. How good of a coach Mike Tomlin is. I feel like he never yeah. like we get like excellent, excellent, excellent coach who just does he not is. get his due ever. I agree. No, he is and. I'm not, like, mad because Mike Tomlin got it. I'm just mad because I hate everything about the Steelers right now. And oh, just my gosh. Every every player that's on that team, not a huge fan of. And it's just kind of, like, at a point where I want them to fail so bad. <laughs> I'm waiting yeah. on it. Well, I know 
Wyatt, huge Chase Claypool fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I take everything back. I said if Chase Claypool <laughs> agrees to come on the show <laughs> through through some Notre Dame connection. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, comeback player of the year. Just go ahead and name it off. We'll we'll, we'll get through this. Bro. Dak. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yeah, I like Dak. Yeah. Not even. No, close. D- Dak, don't Dak, say Dak. Dak's not even in the MVP conversation. Um, yeah, what do we Joe miss? Burrow Offensive is. rookie of the year. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Give it to the wideout this yeah. time. Lucas, I'm going into your notes because I know you have them all. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, offensive rookie. Player. Offensive player should be Jonathan. Yeah, Taylor. offensive player no. of the year. It has Cooper to be Cooper Cup. Cup. Cooper Cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Given the nature yeah. of the yeah, you're right. You're right. Of, of the of the breaking the records and all that. I know that we just talked about when records not work, yeah. mattering, but mm-hmm. to some degree, when, on an yeah. 18 game or on a 16 game pace, he still had the best offensive season out of anybody else did. Yeah. When's the last time a receiver won offensive player of the year? Michael Good Thomas questions. won it in 2019, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. So okay, that was super recent. Yeah, that, is, <laughs> that is literally, yeah. there was a yeah. year off, and now it's this year. Wow, yeah. My guess What's was the last be like time Calvin before Johnson that? Yeah. yeah, I'm pr- I'm fairly confident in, like, in my research I saw. No, I believe Thomas you. Yeah, in 2019. Yeah. I'm checking yeah, yeah. it for the most previous no, I, yeah, yeah. Who was it? I'm actually? glad that they spread it out and don't just always give it to a QB. Mm-hmm. I think because they always give the MVP to a yeah, QB that they're the like. Non-QB <laughs> award. Oh no, it was Jerry Rice in '93. So you were onto something, Aiden. If, Before that, if Michael Thomas. Wait, so yeah. Randy Mostyn, or I guess Tom Brady probably won it that year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you win MVP, you shouldn't also win Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah. You should be right. disqualified from any other category. It should just become the it's... Quarterback of the Year and then yeah, the non-Quarterback of the Year. Yeah, because then it's confusing like, when it's you know like. <laughs> Bart, Bart, what are you talking about? Michael Thomas was AP Offensive Player of the Year in 2019. No, no, he's we're saying talking that about you're right. Oh, but before that, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, call, call before Lucas that. Okay, sorry, I'm uh, <laughs> He does. Yeah, I, I, know, I, I didn't. I didn't mean to no, confuse no. you. All right, that's my view. We are gonna move on because we're 43 minutes into this, and we have fatal flaws to get through. <laughs> so, <laughs> every team that has made it to the playoffs so far, we are going to go through and decide will ultimately ruin their playoff run or their fatal flaw. And we're going to start at the very top with Tennessee. Jared, what's their fatal flaw? I really wanted to try to find like something like, like oh, like cute, like, oh, I got, like, nobody else has thought of this, but it's it's Ryan Tannehill. I th- it's <laughs> looking, at, looking at the stats, and I know Derrick Henry is probably coming back, but I don't know if, just looking at, like, we got Julio Jones and they got um, AJ Brown and you're like, okay, we can air this out, offense out a little bit, but they didn't really do that. Like yards per attempt aren't really that good. 21-14 touchdown interception ratio, so he doesn't even particularly take care of the ball that well. And I think really Jimmy G with the 49ers, I feel like is the last time a mediocre quarterback made it to the Super Bowl before Nick Foles. So I, I don't know if Ryan Tannehill is going to be the one to do that. That's that's their that's their limitation right there. You're probably right. Yeah. Like eleven passes for hundred yards is is his uh, playoff stat line. Yeah. Bart, mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs, what's their fatal flaw? I'm gonna kinda cheat and say two that go hand in hand for me, which is turnovers and defense. Mm-hmm. Um so turnovers offensively I just want to touch on. I do think their offense is like the highest ceiling of any team in the playoffs, but they're still tied for ninth worst at taking care of the ball offensively. 
Weird thing. That's tied with the Titans for the two worst in the playoffs, which is weird that the AFC's one and two seeds are both really bad at, at turnovers offensively. But on the flip side, defensively, they rely too much on turnovers. They went nine and one with multiple takeaways, three and four with one or fewer, and they're still second worst in yards per play allowed defensively. So they're really kind of like a boomer bust team as far as turnovers go. So I think um, if they have like a game where they just can't pull those off and uh, Mahomes throws a couple of weird picks again, they might be in for trouble. So that's my answer for the Chiefs. Right. I think you could have wrote Daniel Sorensen, who's like the worst safety I've ever seen play NFL <laughs> Jared, oh back God. to you. Out. Buffalo Bills. Get a flaw. Gosh, there's so much to like about the Bills. You think of them and you think of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. Oh, it must be their defense. But wait, they they literally have the best defense in the league in yards per game and points per game. Then you hear about like, oh, it's Josh Allen's turnovers or whatever, which are admittedly high, but they're sevens in the league in turnover differential. People are Most people say that they're too dependent on Josh Allen, but I'm going to say that they don't play well against physical teams and teams that want to try to control the line of scrimmage and time of possession. Look at their losses. Big Ben, like the QBs they lost to. Big Ben, Ryan Tannehill, Trevor Lawrence, Carson Wentz, Mac Jones. Think about those teams. They, they're blue-collar teams, I think, and they try to limit the amount trying- of time that Josh Allen gets the ball. Look at the playbook that the Pats did when they only threw three times, right? Well, that, That's the team I think they struggle circumstances. Say again. Are you calling it? Are you? I mean, those were extenuating circumstances in the Patriots game because of the Which snow. One? Yeah. Weather. Okay. Well, they're gonna game. play. They're gonna it's play football. in a cold game literally this week. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You have to yeah. deal with. Okay. Well, I can't believe you're trying to call the Bills insufficiently blue collar. The Bills are like the bluest of any. <laughs> they are not. Team they do not play a blue that collar. Has ever existed. Football. They do not play. Yeah, a blue but collar like football. in terms of the essence of who they are as a football team, the Bills oh. are like the bluest collar they football struggle team with ever physical to exist. Teams. Look at the teams they played. They the Jags, the physical team. Okay. The Jags, <laughs> yeah, the, the classically physical Jags. No, but Colts, Jaguars. Colts, Titans, no, Steelers right are like three of the bluest colors. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. Go ahead, Lucas. Go ahead. I was going to say, Jared, do you agree in the abstract that the Buffalo Bills are like <laughs> Yes, I do agree. I want to just nail that down. Or the Steelers, yeah. What is it? The leading leading voice on blue collar. I saw a take that said that, to kind of back your point, if the if the Bills want to maximize Josh Allen's you know, window or whatever, mm-hmm. they need to build hilarious. a dome. Mm-hmm. That was a take. That <laughs> yeah, I, saw I saw that, that as well. They did. They should. Mm-hmm. It's kind of worth thinking about. The Bengals, our favorite team right now. Lucas. Trade them to the Vikings. Your favorite team right now, Lucas. <laughs> yeah, the Bengals. Um, so, Aiden mentioned earlier the offensive line, and I think that's good, and I had that down, but I had two options down because I thought somebody might mention that in the Joe Burrow segment. So I'm going to say their other fatal flaw is their passing defense. Obviously, they have an electric offense. Burrow makes and chase despite the offensive line. But they have the third worst scoring defense of any team in the playoffs and the second worst of any team in the AFC in the playoffs. But getting into the nitty-gritty of it, it's really their pass defense, which has been especially bad and let them down. Their seventh highest or lowest, I guess, however you want to define it, in the league in pass yards allowed. So they've allowed the seventh most pass yards total, uh, which is the second worst of any team in the playoffs. So if they're going to overcome this, it's going to be because their defense bends and doesn't break. And they actually did a really good job of that this year. They were 7th best in the league in percent of opponent possessions ending in scoring drives. Um, so they allowed a lot of yards, but they didn't allow a lot of scores, and they'll have to do that in the playoffs. That being said, I think the passing defense is such a liability that when they come up against them, a Holmes or an Allen, they'll probably be torn apart. And especially when a team like the Bills has a really good defense to match that, I think it'll probably doom them. So, that's the Bengals' fatal flaw. 
Probably fair. What about their opponent, Aiden, the Las Vegas Raiders? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say big plays on defense, takeaways. Um, I, the Raiders had the third fewest takeaways this year, um, only more than the Jets and Jags, which is not the best company to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll be playing teams that are at least on paper better than them in every game from here on out. So it helps as the underdog to have a pick or two to force a fumble um, to really turn the tides, and the Raiders aren't good at that. And I, I do think that could contribute uh, to their downfall. Yeah, they're tough. You just love Derek Carr too much just to root against him. <laughs> the New England Patriots, who are playing the Buffalo Bills, uh, I gave them just a guy-itis. Since week three, or since the three-game pass, pass game uh, in Buffalo, Mac Jones has not looked the same as a poised passer as we thought he once was. And uh, poise might even be a strong word because he only topped 300 yards twice this season. Uh, the running defense, or the defense in the running game, are going to have to be superb if they want to make it out of the AFC. As far as like the passing offense goes, Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne are good. I don't know, but but they're just kind of they're not superstars. Remember, maybe a Debo Samuel, a Justin Jefferson, a Stephon Diggs would shine in that spot. So they're just a guy itis right now. The team with no shot, Bart, the Pittsburgh Steelers. What's their fatal flaw? Uh, yeah, could I, you could you, you could just say everything. I mean, I think the, okay. the obvious thing to point out, if you want to say one thing, is Big Ben. He's like a shadow of his prime self. He was not particularly great this year. I don't want to cite the stats, but they're there. He didn't he didn't look super uh, impressive. I, they just don't have the horsepower offensively to keep up with like the other elite quarterbacks in in the AFC. I think so. Like even though they've got you know solid weapons in Najee and Deontay Johnson and Juju if he comes back, uh, they're they're just not going to be able to keep up. Aiden mentioned the the point differential, and they're the worst of playoff teams in offensive points per game. So I think with Big Ben at the helm, the Steelers just aren't going to be able to keep up. I think getting back in the huddle during a two-minute drill would have also sufficed for the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Bart, we're gonna or Aiden, we're gonna go to the NFC. We're gonna start with the number one seed, the Green Bay Packers. I'm going with special teams. Uh, for a team tied for the best record in the NFL, they have terrible special teams. PFF gave them the worst special teams grade in the NFL. I'm gonna, I'm gonna list off a lot of rankings here. Uh, keep up with me. They're 29th in punt return average, 30th in kickoff return average. They fumbled three times on punt returns, once on kickoff returns. They're 32nd in punt return allowed and are the only team to have allowed a punt return touchdown this year. Um, and they're a bit better at defending kickoff returns. They're 26th on that, so that's great. Um, and their coverage unit is currently averaging two missed tackles per game um, on kickoff and punt returns. And that's not even the worst of it. That's just the coverage units. They've missed the NFL worst nine field goals this year. Um, and most of them are pretty costly. Uh, Mason Crosby missed a field goal in the Vikes game. The Packers lost that game by three points. Um, he missed two in a loss against the Chiefs, and you guessed it, they lost that game by six points. Um, Mason Crosby went 16 for 16 last year. 2021 has been a different year, or 2022 now. Um, so I do think in close games, uh, especially low-scoring games that are likely to be played in Green Bay um, in the wintertime, I think this could be potentially their downfall. Joe Judge is free, and Joe Judge is a former special teams coordinator. <laughs> Could be something to look into, Green Bay. Pick him up. Get him in there. He's yeah, free. Exactly. He's got time on his hands. <laughs> Attempt, yeah. <laughs> and the other not-so-much MVP candidate, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or Tom Brady specifically, I'm going to go. Uh, they're gonna. Their biggest fatal flaw is age and injuries. 
I thought that during last year's playoffs, the Bucks were able to capitalize on a couple injured teams, specifically the Chiefs, who had like their entire offensive line wiped out. They got a little lucky during their run, and which isn't exactly a bad thing. I think luck is preparation meets opportunity, and the opportunity part is the lucky part of it. But this go-around, they kind of seem to be on the other side of that luck. They brought back all 22 of their starters from the championship run, and now they don't have any depth to kind of compensate for the guys that they've lost, and they've lost a lot of them. So right now, they just might not have enough guys. AB walked out. Chris Godwin tours ACL. They have no corners, pretty much. Um, they're kind of just uh, Leonard Fournette, Fournette is on injury reserve. They pretty much just aren't going to be able to field a team necessarily, field a good team, you know, throughout this entire playoffs, most likely. <clears throat> and I get to go back to back. I didn't realize <laughs> I did that. Uh, the Dallas yeah. Cowboys. Jared, listen up. Their fatal flaw is game management. <laughs> On multiple occasions this year, Mike McCarthy has butchered his only job as the head coach for the Cowboys. Timeouts <laughs> and game management. The offensive defensive scheme is out of his hands. Uh, we talked about how great the coordinators were. And I've been told that he's a great motivator, which is good. However... When Mike McCarthy has to call a well-placed timeout to maximize the scoring window, he falls flat in his face. There will be moments when the Cowboys, who struggle against plus 500 teams, or 4-4, four and four, are going to have to maximize their game management window, and Mike McCarthy will fail. Will fail. I'm booking that. <laughs> okay. This is no longer hypothetical for this one. So, so like he's going he's gonna to call a bad timeout, or what does that look like? He's gonna he's gonna call a timeout too late, or he won't call one, or okay. he's just gonna ruin the game plan in some fashion. You <laughs> okay. gotta know when to kick a field goal. You gotta know when to go for it, and you gotta make that decision quick. He does not. Go back to the <laughs> barn. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> Aiden, what do you think? Yeah, this is another one that I'm not gonna overthink it too much. I think it's Matt Stafford's turnovers to some degree that he's been a bit what? erratic of late. Yeah, I think the the first thirteen games, Matt Stafford. He threw nine picks of the last four games. He's <laughs> thrown eight. As with any QB, there's a strong correlation between Matt Stafford having a bad game and the Rams blowing it. They have a very talented team, obviously, um, but there have been plenty of games where he's just turned the ball over too much and they've lost, and I think they're at risk of that happening in the playoffs and losing. Yeah. Maybe. He's a top-10 arm talent, though. Bart? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The Cardinals, their opponent. Uh, the Cardinals, I'm going to say, is just good old inconsistency. This team is a roller coaster. Who knows what we're going to get this week in the playoffs. Um, they started with seven straight wins. We know this. They ended one and four. Um, basically, which team are we going to get? Are we going to get the Cardinals that beat the Cowboys two weeks ago? Or are we going to get the team that lost to a Seahawks team that had nothing to play for this last week? <laughs> the Cardinals, if they'd won, would have had the NFC West title. And they still came out and let Russell Wilson and Rashad Penny look absolutely electric. So I just, yeah, I don't know. The Cardinals are such a weird team to predict. I think they have a really high floor, or excuse me, a really high ceiling, but a really low floor. They beat the Rams in like week four, and then they lost to them in week 13. So which, which one are we going to get when they play the Rams again this week? I, I just don't think the Cardinals can possibly string together four consistently good games in a row to win it all. You know, at the end of the day, Cliff Kingsbury still has one of the coolest houses in NFL history. So, yeah, he can he can go home to that. Literally, that's a deal breaker. Yeah, <laughs> Jared, the San Francisco 49ers. I read a PFF article that actually said the 49ers were the most complete team in the playoffs. Oh my god! <laughs> not 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 a power ranking. They wanted to make it clear it's not a power ranking, but I think 
If it's not Jimmy G, I don't want to say Jimmy. That's a, like a little. It's it's kind of the same Ryan Tannehill situation. But probably the cornerbacks. Um, they haven't really been playing that well. They gave up. They, you know, they gave up a big leave to the Rams. Obviously, they ended up sealing that game in overtime, which I think was funny. But I, I don't think you can rely on that unit to when you're consistently going against top tier quarterbacks pretty much every week now. I don't know if you can rely on that unit to keep them out of the end zone long enough. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to say for the 49ers there. Fair enough. Lucas, why don't you send us home with your favorite team, the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, so I think this one's pretty easy as well. I'm going to say their passing offense. While they boast the best rushing offense in the NFL, their passing offense is abysmal. It's eighth worst in the NFL and worst of any playoff team. Uh, Hertz is a competent passer, but he's still developing. They don't have a ton of weapons in the receiving game either. Devontae Smith is really good, but again, kind of like Hertz, still young and developing. Um, he's going to be their number one target. Dallas Goddard at the tight end is good, but he's really inconsistent, and he drops the ball a lot. And, like, well, he'll put up, like, monster number games. He drops the ball a lot in big situations. And then outside of that, Jalen Rager's been really bad. Uh, Quez Watkins is fine. Like, they just don't have a lot of, like, talent on that side of the ball. Like, their strength is absolutely their, their rushing offense behind their great offensive line. But the passing offense struggles. This is going to be especially tough, though, in terms of, like, a fatal flaw, even in their just first-round matchup against the Bucks. We've allowed the third fewest yards per attempt in the NFL this year, meaning they'll probably have to throw it um, a lot against the Bucs, um, which I think will eventually do, doom them. That being said, apparently they're going to be upwards of 30 to 40 mile per hour wins in Tampa for the game this weekend, <laughs> which would really, really help the Eagles. But that being said, like I think eventually down the line, as much as I want another Super Bowl, I think they're just like lack of a passing offense and weapons on in that phase of the game are going to ultimately doom them. Fair enough. All right. That'll do it for this week. Thank you. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. I don't mean to beat a, a dead horse too much here, but just to reiterate what Wyatt said at the start, please do follow us on social medias and review us uh, and just give us your feedback. We love hearing Only your five stars. everything that we're saying. Only five stars, obviously. <laughs> we remove the reviews that are not five stars. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hopefully you enjoy this NFL packed episode. Obviously with college football winding down and uh, the NFL winding down, we'll be getting more NBA talks in the future. Hope you're looking forward to that, among other things, obviously. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.